Hi, I'm Lauren Weymouth, Director of the University Blockchain Research Initiative at Ripple, recording from San Francisco. I love talking to innovators, figuring out how they use this technology to better our lives. And today, we're introducing a big fan of decentralized finance, Ishan Hiranandani. I get to do a lot of collaborating with University of Michigan, where Ishan is just completing his sophomore year studying business and computer science. He's a leader in the blockchain at Michigan Club, BAM, and with a team of fellow students, worked on a service to bridge untrusting parties, like connecting small businesses together with retail investors to create a new future of finance. Welcome, Ishan. Thank you. Thank you. It's so great for you to have me, Lauren. So your university bio page says that outside of blockchain, you run a cooking Instagram blog. At Ishan H, what are your best dishes? I love to cook all sorts of chicken and really combine my heritage. I make Indian fusion cuisines like pesto chicken, except the base is made out of Indian spices. And then I add Italian on top of that. I'm part Italian, so I appreciate that. (laughs) Ishan, how did you get into blockchain? One thing I really love about blockchain is how welcoming the community is of new people. And I hadn't ever heard of blockchain when I stepped into University of Michigan. But one of my mentors, a guy I really admire, he said, I'm part of this club. You should really join. It's called Blockchain at Michigan. And granted, I have 500 people telling me, join my club. It's amazing. But I respect the guy. So I come and attend the mass meeting. And what I really notice is that the people are, first off, really, really nice. They want to talk to me about blockchain, the potential it has in whether voting or supply chain or decentralized finance, but also the technology itself, it reimagines how we look at the world. And one thing I really appreciate about anything is just having the ability to step back and say, okay, this is how we've been doing things, maybe in a traditional connecting with each other manner. But What if we reimagine money instead of being physical objects as just transactions on a ledger? And that kind of creative thinking is exactly what I wanted. Yeah, that's great. And that's actually why we launched All About Blockchain. It's this kind of reimagining across all different sectors and to try to highlight for people just how different our lives are going to look in the next five to 10 years because of this tech. You actually worked on a project called Meldex. Tell us all about Meldex, what it looks like, what it does. Give us the whole story. Let me set the scene for you first. It was the pandemic, April. I was tired because I wasn't about to get out of bed after coming from university and we were kicked off campus. But what I noticed who had it even worse than me were the small businesses around us because All these small businesses, all their customers, their college students had left town. No one was even brave enough to step outside for good reason because we didn't know much about the pandemic at the time. They were just losing customers and many of them were shutting down, including one of my favorite restaurants, Piata. We wanted to see how can we best serve these small businesses. And we realized that a major gap was in the funding of these small businesses, that they were unable to get funding, especially in these tumultuous times. Because currently, small businesses can get funding from either banks, which are pretty dangerous since they're debt-backed loans, or angel investors, which are fairly difficult to attract, especially if you're a low-skill business like a restaurant or a laundromat. 
Okay, so this is towards the end of your freshman year. The country goes into the pandemic and you've joined the blockchain at Michigan and you realize that you can actually use this new tech that you've been talking to your friends about for an actual project. You can actually build something that's going to make it better for small businesses that are suffering around you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so we are like, wow, this sounds like a great idea. Let's just get straight to research and then building it. So we found external competitions to motivate ourselves, joined a few like the International Blockchain Olympiad and the AVA Launch Hackathon. We just competed, found communities of people who were willing to help us learn more about how does blockchain work in a practical setting? How can we actually work with these new businesses? So we went on a bunch of customer discovery calls with small businesses in Ann Arbor as well as people who might be wanting to invest within these small businesses. So which came first, the Avalanche Hackathon or the Blockchain Olympiad? We started with the Blockchain Olympiad. Wow. So you took your new idea and went straight to the U.S. Blockchain Olympiad. Yes, yes. Okay, so what was it like? We had no idea what to expect. The truth was we just didn't know what is this going to look like. So we decided to just research as much as we could and present and really have a good time while learning a lot because the end goal was a startup, not just winning some hackathon. We ended up doing really well at the U.S. Blockchain Olympiad, got second place and were advanced to the International Olympiad in Hong Kong. So that was exciting. In between then, we decided that we wanted to focus on development and that was where Avalanche came in. I hear from a lot of students that they do these hackathons more for for fun and to build stuff in a short amount of time with their friends, but not necessarily to commercialize. But you set out with Meldex with your friends to actually make it into a startup. You wanted to commercialize this. That was the initial plan, yes. Okay. What's your elevator pitch? What is Meldex? Meldex is a way to connect small businesses, think mom and pop stores in your local area that need funding with retail investors who want to contribute to their local community but also want to gain some value out of that. And what does that look like? Is it an app? Is it a website? How do those two parties come together and talk? It's a website, think Robinhood or any exchange like Republic, where you're able to look at businesses in your local area, conduct some due diligence on those businesses based off of information that they provide. And then afterwards, if you choose to invest, you can invest at their chosen valuation or not. There's not as much of a price discovery process simply because this is such a new market. So we were trying to create an asset class here. It's built on blockchain, right? So how is it different built on blockchain than it would be on the internet? You've probably heard of a lot of other platforms that aren't built on blockchain like WeFunder that do a very similar process. They connect people who want to invest, investors, with smaller businesses. But the difference between their target market, these small businesses, is that they're usually small tech startups. And what this means is that WeFunder can afford to take a much larger cut. And the fees were around 12-15% based off of the research that we did. Now, if you're a small local business, then this isn't viable to take a 12-15% cut from your investment because you need every last penny that you can get. So blockchain allowed us to have atomic swaps that were much more efficient. 
And by that, we mean we were never planning on using the Ethereum blockchain just because fees were so high. We wanted fees that were sub $1 ideally. Essentially, blockchain made it significantly more efficient and the increased efficiencies opened up a whole new market that was not available previously by companies like WeFunder. Which blockchain did you choose to build this Meldex on? To be honest, we were just looking at whatever platform, whatever competition we were looking at at the time. So when we were working on Avalanche, which is sponsored by Avalabs, we were on the Avalanche platform. And later on, when we were applying to CelloCamp, we decided we would work on the Celo blockchain. The main goal was to have an Ethereum virtual machine compatible blockchain, which means it's just very easily compatible from a development standpoint with Ethereum that has low fees. And would they eventually be interoperable if you've got it built on Celo, built on Avalanche? Does it matter? Yeah. For the short term, yes. But for the long term, I don't believe it will. In my head, the future of blockchain is very interoperable. It's polychain in the sense that the back end is not going to matter, especially to users. You clearly like working with Avalanche and Avalabs because that's where you're interning this summer. Can you tell us a little bit about what you'll be doing for them? Absolutely love the Avalabs team. They're incredible, work really hard, but more importantly, really fast and they ship a lot. I'm working as a business development intern currently, which means a lot of diving deep into different protocols, whether it's Avalanche itself or some of our competitors, as well as what do our users really need? I've been noticing the average Avalanche user is really technical. That's a good thing in some ways, but also it's partly because the Avalanche blockchain isn't the most user-friendly yet. And so what do users really need? And then finally, just working with existing DeFi products on the Avalanche ecosystem and then hoping to collect new ones. So back to helping small businesses grow, you've now got a way to do that with Meldex. You've done some hackathons, you've competed at the U.S. Blockchain Olympiad, you're doing well. What's your next step? This is the part where we take all the research and building that we've done and really start working with users to make something happen. Beforehand, we had kind of sort of talked with restaurants and laundromats, but now we really wanted to dive deeper and see what were their main problems and how can we fix those. And here's where we ran into some roadblocks. First off, how are you going to create this new asset class? You're going to have to turn, uh, create a new security, essentially. And in order to do that, you're going to have to deal with the SEC. That means registering to become a broker dealer and few many other things that would take a lot of time. And we didn't have the time, money or patience for that. The second thing was talking with these small businesses and realizing what would it take for them to trust this new platform, Meldex, and really start their fu fundraising. And we saw that the small businesses were very focused on day-to-day -day survival and they didn't really have much time or energy to focus on marketing themselves to gain new funds. And then finally, we were talking with users and we began realizing that a lot of users, they were interested in investing in asset classes that were risky only if there was a huge 
upside possibility, kind of that asymmetric upside that we talk about. But with small businesses in your local community, it's very hard to get that asymmetric upside just because a restaurant can only grow so much. So you ran into some hiccups, right? So you're yes. you're college student and you don't want to spend the next five to 10 years of your life working on SEC challenges with a law team. Also, the industry is kind of nascent. So there's a lot of missing pieces to the puzzle. So legal becomes a big issue. Were all these things that you discovered during the cello camp? Yes. After the International Blockchain Olympiad, we applied to another accelerator called Cello Camp, which is hosted by C-Labs, also great people. And they really talked to us about legal challenges as well as diving deeper with user interviews. And they opened our eyes to these problems that we honestly didn't see before or were just too excited to notice them. Well, I, th I think it's important for our audience to hear things that there could be a great product market fit. Timing might just be a little bit off when you come into framing and legal challenges. And sometimes you have to take these projects that make a lot of sense and could make a, a really big difference in the technologies there, but we're almost waiting for other sectors to catch up, right? So in the meantime, have you put Meldex on hold? Yeah, so we put Meldex on hold for now and then hopefully just exploring with new projects in the space and then if the time is right, we might start it back up again. While Meldex is on hold, tell us about the hacker house that you're about to move into while you're working at one of the blockchains in New York this summer. I'm living with a few friends and a few people I don't know who are some of the smartest builders I've ever met. And really, our main goal for this summer is to become competent at building from zero to one. And what that means is ideating, talking with users, designing something really quick in Figma, and then building either using no code or actual code, and then launching within a one to two week interval. So that kind of build fast, ship fast mentality is what I'm trying to develop in New York City. Because this is new for me when we first discussed it, that you're living in a hacker house. Is this common amongst your friends in the blockchain club? It's become significantly more common ever since the pandemic has started. Everything is remote. So we realized that we can work from anywhere, meet some of the coolest people in the world, not just be limited to our university and build fast. The question becomes, why restrict yourself to a particular location? And fast forward, what's your dream come true for the end of the summer on the outlook after living in this hacker house and working at a blockchain company? at least three products shipped. And I'm not sure what those products are gonna be yet, probably software products because that's more of my specialty. But three products shipped, marketed on Twitter or various channels and gaining some users. And ideally one of those being something that I believe I can take to scale, something that I think has a mission. So a few ideas that I've been bouncing around, but we'll see. That sounds very ambitious, a few project ships. That, that would mean that you'd ideate, you'd prototype, you'd launch, you'd market, and then you'd move on to another one in order to get several of them. When you say shipped, is that like in the can, like ready to sell? Yeah, ready to have, have users, let's say. It might be a free product, but something that people can actually use. And even if it's not the best quality, I want to be able to go from zero to one very quickly. 
as kind of a practice run. Aside from your connections at your own university blockchain club, have you been connected with other blockchain clubs at other universities? Is there online clubs that you engage with in this or are you going to be participating in other hackathons this summer? I met with a ton of amazing people online from Blockchain Acceleration Foundation, which is a blockchain nonprofit for focused on universities. And I met people from Stanford, Blockchain at Berkeley, Rutgers, and so on. And they've become some of my closest friends. We're actually meeting up in Miami very soon. So you're taking it on the road. Yes, yes. We're meeting up in the Bitcoin Miami conference, so couldn't be more excited for that. Because you're going to learn the most by doing. Amen. Any other real-world experience with blockchain at companies? One thing I love about BAM is that we pair members up with real companies through our blockchain consulting program. I got the wonderful opportunity to work with PayPal. I actually messaged their head of blockchain strategy and got on a call. 30 minutes turned into 45 into another call. We decided we have to work together. And so I got to work on a digital identity prototype using Hyperledger Aries, which was one of the coolest things I've ever done. Good connection. Yeah. Awesome. Ripple is launching an XRPL grant developer program. The whole purpose of the grant program is to engage and support software developers and to, mm -hmm. and to strengthen the XRPL developer community. And I think starting out, they're going to target small teams who are building apps and tooling that integrates with the XRP ledger. Are you or your team interested in NFT-related projects? I think that NFTs have a, a lot of potential aside from digital art. And I think that the really useful NFT applications, whether it's within digital identity or gaming-related activities, those stand to have a lot of value. And I'm very interested in the digital identity space myself. You're intrinsically motivated by the problem set, by solving a challenge, especially one that's probably going to make an impact for people. I mean, I could hear that in your voice talking about helping small businesses. So how do you go out looking for those challenges? You could scan Google for all of the different blockchain grants out there and, and different factions that are trying to reach the community developers, but how do you source them? Or do they come to you? <laughs> That's a good question. And I think when you're so integrated in a community, then you start hearing about all of these problems. A good way to go about it would be to think of why are we actually using blockchain? Because technology, in my opinion, is a means to an end, right? So what is our main goal here? And in my opinion, the main goal is to create a new future finance that supports everyone, regardless of your socioeconomic status, regardless of your race or sexuality. We want to create a world that no matter where you live, you're able to participate in the future of finance because that's where opportunity lies. And when you go based off of a vision, and that just happens to be my vision, and I think many other people's vision, then you start to see what are some problems that need to be solved. And one thing that I've been noticing a lot recently, just as an example, is people who need loans aren't able to access that money, whether it's for education outside of the US or whether they want to start their own business. 
but people who already have access to money or are really well connected get that money very, very easily. So one thing I've been thinking about is how do you get under collateralized loans? I feel like your audience is already familiar with Compound and Aave, or should I explain that? Explain away. This is great. So Compound and Aave, they're trustless platforms. So you have to deposit $150 to be able to borrow $100. And then your $150 can remain as Ethereum or Bitcoin or whatever. But this only helps people who already have access to money. So we need to create a system where I can deposit $50 of money and receive $100 as a loan to invest in myself, my business, however I see fit. And how can we create that system on a trustless platform like blockchain? The way I think about it is you need some sort of reputation system because the way blockchain currently works, if I deposit $50 and I get a $100 loan, and if I run away and take that $100 loan with me, no one can do anything. Sure, the reputation of my address might be destroyed, but that's not going to mean anything to me because I can always create another Ethereum address or Celo address or Avalanche address. So how do we create this reputation system that carries with you across platforms and across transactions, regardless of if you create a new address or not? And I think the solution to that is digital identity, which is why I'm so excited about the space. Yeah, we do a lot of talking about digital identity and how blockchain is going to change that. We're seeing changes coming out of university recommendations towards this. Thank you for highlighting that. Is there anything you want the audience to know about? If you want the space to grow, you have to remember what we're trying to build. A future where everyone is equal and able to participate in this new economic world. If we want to progress the space forward, one way we can do so is by adding diversity I'm part of another nonprofit called She256, which is focused on diversity. They do some incredible work, and I just wanted to highlight that. Yeah, She256, another undergraduate student group that actually formed a 501c3 off campus. Over 500 mentee mentors around the world helping to lower barriers to women entering the field of blockchain and in tech. I think what they've done is extraordinary, and it's so glad to see that you support them and are a part of their efforts. And I know they're also combining their work with a lot of industry players right now. And similar to you guys at BAM, consulting projects for companies and startups, they're doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. They do incredible work. This industry is so nascent. My CEO will often say that we're in the first mile of a marathon. So we're just starting to scratch the surface on how this tech's going to be rolled out, what we're going to use it for, how it's going to mature and evolve over the next five to 10 years. And then Bitcoin cryptocurrency is one use case. Yeah, exactly. Right? And then beyond Bitcoin, there's all these altcoins that are creating all of this enterprise and other usable features that are going to change the way that we do things. I can speak directly for Ripple because we're creating a world where cross-border payments are faster, cheaper, and more transparent. And that's making a difference for people. There's so many other use cases out there. How do you see the blockchain industry evolving over the next five years? I see the blockchain space as becoming more interoperable. 
So you see all these chains with amazing tech. I've already talked about Avalanche, Solo, but also Solana and now Ethereum Polygon coming on mainnet. And the really cool part is that once all of these chains become interoperable, then users are going to stop caring about what chain that they're actually working on. And the future of dApps is abstracting away the complexities of blockchain in order to promote seamless user experiences like you see on Web2. And right now, interacting with the blockchain and paying these weird gas fees, it doesn't provide that same experience. It's so interesting to hear how early adopters are thinking through next steps and creating the future. I mean, Ishan is the future of blockchain. Do you plan on working in this industry when you graduate? I really hope so. Ishan, we could really hear in your interview how blockchain has been a catalyst to bring you to this new industry and to have you meet all kinds of new people. I'm super impressed with how you've gone after it from being someone bored during a pandemic to creating a product to going through all kinds of competitions and camps to perfect it, working with other people, going after internships and consulting for companies. Thank you so much for sharing your work with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Lauren. It was great to be here and talk with you. It's such a pleasure hosting you on All About Blockchain. And listeners, thank you for tuning in. That wraps up our second season. We're going to return after the summer 2021 with a robust new set of conversations for you to learn about what's possible with blockchain. If you have any questions about this episode or any feedback for the next episode, please reach out to uberi at ripple.com. Ripple.com.